0: We are in the third week of a of our current series, looking at transitions and why they're so important. As we have already acknowledged, springtime brings a great many transitions, first communions, confirmations, weddings, graduations, retirements. Spring brings a flood of transitions, and that's just to name a few that are part of the normal cycle of of life, not forgetting the major transitions that really define our life experience. The birth of a child, the death of a loved one, falling in love, getting divorced, receiving a diagnosis, undertaking treatment. This particular season we're in as a society also seems most definitely to be a time of transition when it comes to the COVID crisis. Hopefully, a positive transition away from masks and distancing to full engagement and full capacity. So, with all these transitions going on, it seems to us an opportune time, a perfect time to look at the experience itself and God's perspective on it. God's perspective on it. God works throughout our lives, and that includes through our transitions. They're a part of his marvelous, mysterious design for our lives. We began our discussion of transitions by discussing the anatomy or the phases of transition, and we said there are three. The first phase of a transition is actually an ending. Before we can move on to something new, one thing, some things, perhaps many things must end. Graduations mean the end of high school or college, and inevitably, sadly, the end of many of the friendships we form there. Divorce brings an end to a partnership, perhaps a broken, dysfunctional, partnership, but a partnership nonetheless. Retirement means an end of a career, the end of business as usual. Every transition begins with an ending. The second phase of a transition is that in-between time. This can be a brief time or an extended time, but either way, it's a gap. It's a pause between what was and what's next. And obviously, the third phase of the transition is exactly what's next, what's new, the new beginning. And that's what we're looking at today. You know, even when negative endings have the potential to create a positive new beginning. To bring new momentum for us, a fresh start that can lead us to somewhere else, somewhere good. Maybe somewhere even better. The new beginning is when you go to college and find yourself sitting there in your very first class. The new beginning is when not only is the wedding over, the honeymoon is over too. The new beginning is when it's your very first day of retirement and... You don't have the slightest idea what to do with yourself. Some, some beginnings are new beginnings that have been thrust upon us. Some we've chosen for ourselves, but either way, the question becomes, how do we start something new well? How do we start something new well? And that's what we're going to look at today and for your information, I'll be sharing with you a few of the many mistakes that I've made in launching new chapters here at the parish, so you can look forward to that. We can identify three key insights by looking at a passage from today's gospel from the Gospel of Matthew. Even though today is the Feast of the Most Holy Trinity, For the second time in just three weeks, our gospel reading takes us to the scene of the Ascension. The gospel of Mark and the gospel of Luke as well as Acts of the Apostles all tell us about the Ascension, Jesus' departure from the Apostles and his return to the Father. John's gospel alludes to it in several places. Matthew's gospel, on the other hand, doesn't quite include the ascension, but it describes the scene leading up to it, and it goes like this. The 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had ordered them. So for his last meeting with the apostles, Jesus tells them to go to Galilee, a fertile mountainous region in northern Israel, especially symbolic for this final meeting. Why? Well, Jesus grew up in Galilee. He first undertook his ministry in Galilee. He called his apostles from Galilee. They were Galileans. He launched his ministry to Israel in Galilee, and now here he's launching his mission to the worldwide church. However. When they saw him, they worshiped, but they doubted. They were still confused about everything that was happening. The Greek word used here for doubt refers more to hesitation than to unbelief. They're unsure about what's going on, which was pretty understandable given what was going on. In every transition, we experience some degree of hesitation, even if we've chosen it. This transition from the time Jesus was with the apostles on a daily basis to the time when Jesus is gone, they're experiencing hesitation. New beginnings are accessible to everybody, but everybody has trouble with them. Much as we might even want to make a new beginning, there's some part of us that resists. Everyone has a slightly different version of this anxiety, but one way or another, it always arises from a fear of change. We fear change. The apostles had come to know Jesus as their rabbi and teacher. They understood that, that Role. They understood their place in that scenario, and now it was changing, and they were afraid. Then Jesus approached and said to them, All authority, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So this is extremely significant. This passage is fraught with meaning because it takes us all the way back to the beginning of the story of salvation. When God created the heavens and the earth, he gave authority over the earth to the first human beings. You remember the story. Be fruitful, he said, and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. The book of Genesis then goes on to tell us that the first human beings proceeded to surrender that authority when they ate the forbidden fruit. In giving away their authority, they opened the door to sorrow and suffering, to poverty and pain and everything else that's wrong in the world. The story of the Old Testament is the story of God preparing to send his son into the world to win back that authority through his perfect obedience to the Father. And the story of the Gospels is the story of Jesus doing exactly that. Now, here, he's passing that authority on to the apostles and by extension to his church, to all of us. We share in that authority. We share in that power. In the song we're currently singing at Communion, we say, I have the authority. Jesus has given me Authority. As Christ's followers, you have authority. You might not think you do. You might not feel like you do. But it's true, you do. You have authority. What kind of authority? Authority over what? Well, basically, he told them, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, thus the Trinity that we're celebrating on this feast day, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. This is Jesus' final instruction. It's called the Great Commission. In this moment, Jesus both ends his time with the apostles and then tells them about the new mission that that they are to undertake. He gives them authority to undertake a new mission. The new mission? To make disciples. And along with the mission, he gives them a vision for their mission. Make disciples of all nations. Disciples are students of Jesus Christ who are learning and growing in Christ to become more like Christ. And it's the mission of the church to get people on that discipleship path. Everything the church does in one way or another should be about that mission. And if it's not, we shouldn't be doing it. The mission to make disciples, the vision to make disciples of all nations. As a parish, we share that mission, we exist to make disciples right here in North Baltimore. But we also share that vision, we exist to make disciples of all nations, which is a preposterous kind of claim, but one we can actually serve in an effective way that previous generations could not through our online presence. We can also make disciples elsewhere through the Rebuilt Parish Association, one of the major ministries of nativity. Although the, 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 through the association, we're helping other parishes grow as healthy parishes. How do they do that? They make disciples too. So briefly, here are three insights to take away and get started when it comes to beginning, well, One. Keep in mind your current mission, why you're doing what you're doing, and your vision, where you want to end up, your preferred future. The clearer you are about mission and vision, the more you set yourself up for success. Picture where you want to be at the end of your college career and what you want to have accomplished there. Imagine. The type of marriage you want to enjoy 30 years from now. Envision what you'll accomplish with a new product or or project or program that you're currently working on. Name and know your mission and vision. And in light of your mission and vision, begin with the end in mind. Take the steps right away that are going to fulfill your purpose and vision. Begin as you mean to go on. So, college students, when you go away to school, impose discipline on yourself from day one with good study habits and a healthy routine. Look for classmates who not only share your interest, but share your values as well. Begin as you mean to go on. If you're newly married, Early on, develop the rituals that will serve your marriage. Put in place the practices that will help you connect consistently as a couple. Whether it's taking a, a walk together every morning or spending time together over the dinner table every, every evening. Begin as you mean to go on. If you're new to church or just back to church for the first time in a long time, which I have a feeling is a lot of people these days, what will be your daily or weekly habits moving forward when it comes to prayer and worship? How will discipleship be a part of your lifestyle in terms of ministry or small groups? Begin as you mean to go on. Second, be patient with the new beginning. Set a realistic timetable for following your vision. Go slow. Start small. Sometimes that's the best way to proceed. The Bible says, do not despise small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begun. Think about Jesus and the great commission to make disciples of the whole wide world. And he had 11 guys Just 11 guys. They had been 12, and now they were down to 11. They were moving in the wrong direction. That was a mighty, modest start for one of the biggest projects in the history of the world. In any new beginning, there's going to be a gap between where you are and where you want to be. There's a gap between where you are and where you want to go. Be be realistic uh, about that, and be patient. The process of getting there can be messy, can be mundane, it can be fussy and frustrating. That has been my experience over and over and over again as pastor, whether it was trying to build a music program, or moving into our new church building, or building an accomplished and effective staff, Once I had made a start of it, I was impatient for it to immediately be everything I had a vision for it to be, and it wasn't. It never was. It never worked out that way. Every time, every time we made a new hire, I would think and often say, this is it. We finally have the staff we need and want. And then, somebody would quit Somebody would leave, somebody would create some kind of problem for us. The day we moved into this beautiful church building, it was like the Israelites arriving at the promised land. I thought we had arrived. And then things started to go wrong. We didn't know how to work the lights. The sound was all wrong. For over a decade, we tried to build a music program which we knew we wanted and desperately needed, and for over a decade, it eluded us. I remember one particularly ear-aching Sunday. The music was so bad. It was so bad. I used to call it the, please, 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 for the love of God, stop music. It was so bad. And somebody came up to me after Mass, a very sincere, well-meaning prisoner, and they said, as if this were a fresh idea, you know, I think what you need is a better music program. (laughs) And I'm like, I know! I know I need better music. Don't you think I know it? I have to listen to this noise six times a weekend. Don't you think I know it? You want to patiently pursue your vision. Third, if you go into any kind of new beginning, go into it with the Lord. As you move into any new season, bathe it in prayer. Just bathe it in prayer, because it is in prayer that you'll discover his power and his presence. It's in prayer that you'll come to better understand the authority that he can equip you with to make those transitions and live your life.